0: Chad McCabe isn't your typical Episcopal priest. The veteran Marine is a doctoral student at Duke University and serves as a chaplain in the Army National Guard. This week, the new head pastor at Trinity Episcopal Church joins me, Ryan Plugelman, and Charlie Kuhn on Clarksville's Conversation to talk about feeling called to ministry when he was 12 years old, the challenge of creating community, and being welcomed to Clarksville with fireworks on the 4th of July. All in this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. Clarksville's Conversation is powered by FNM Bank. I think you're the first rector we've had on this podcast. So Father Chad, Father McCabe, the right reverend, reverend, reverend doctor,
1: like what is your preferred... You, Title. You, you can just call me Chad. Okay, it makes oh, it much man. easier. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Whoa, Chad <laughs> is just fine with me. I don't we don't want to miss that. Up.
0: <laughs> but you're the new. You're the new priest at Trinity Episcopal Parish on Franklin Street in downtown Clarksville.
1: That's right, and it's uh, it's, it's just a real honor to be be this new rector here. It's been wonderful coming down here. Uh, everybody's just been just so welcoming to us and embracing us, and, and not just Trinity, but just this town in general. Uh, we've just had a wonderful time uh, engaging with and, and joining in with stuff. I have an 11-year-old son, Ethan, Yeah, and he's part of uh, Troop 365 down in Sango. He's uh, also playing Little League with uh, St. Bethlehem. And so he's also over at Kirkwood where he's playing trumpet uh, with the band over there. And so it's just really been great to see uh, this town really welcome us and and just open the door. for You talk about just jumping right in. Yeah. All of that stuff. You've been here for what, like (laughs) a month or two, right? That's right. That's right. I got here in July and it was a wonderful welcome. Uh, We live in this uh, wonderful community and... When my family, I drove out here yeah. from Massachusetts, which was a trip I'd never want to take again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, because like, I couldn't you fly me in. Well, yeah, well, really. we had uh, some 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 things that needed to take care of back home. Uh, Ethan and Karen were back there, and I drove down with my dog Bella. Uh, she's, uh, a wonderful, uh, about four years old, four year old mixed breed dog. Yeah. Uh, she was a rescue. We ended up actually getting her from Chattanooga of all places. So she was sort of like her returning. She's coming home. <laughs> she was coming home. And I'll tell you, she was a, a wonderful companion the whole time we, uh, entered into Tennessee and, you know how our state is. It's it's not exactly like one city to the next. It's There's a lot in between. Yeah. There's a lot of in between. It's beautiful. Though. Yeah, it is beautiful. beautiful. And she was just a great companion the whole ride. So it was, it was just great coming in here. I mean, this is just a, such a wonderful state. And when we got here... Uh, They said, you know, we can set up fireworks in our neighborhood. And I was like, fireworks in my neighborhood. And I tell you what, you know, it was just fantastic. Oh, Massachusetts.
0: (laughs) You couldn't even like make loud noise in your driveway. (laughs) Where here. You can launch fireworks off that you only paid money to see in Massachusetts. That's right. You're like, you're probably going through a fireworks stand going like, excuse me, um, as a pillar of the community, I need to know. Am I going to get arrested here? Because all of these <laughs> look illegal. All of these fireworks look illegal. And the guy's probably going, no, no, sir. There's nothing when it comes to fireworks that are illegal
1: here That's right. in Clarksville. That's right. But my son just had a wonderful time. It just That was a great entryway for our yeah, family here. Yeah.
2: So, so we know the, party, the hardest part of your journey was driving down here. But when you were a child, what, what, where are you from? What did you do? What was your path to get here?
1: Well, I'm I'm thankful that you asked. I'm originally from Maryland, uh, a town called Mount Airy. I grew up in Rockville, which is in the other Montgomery County, Mm -hmm. uh, right outside the Beltway. Yeah, So all your
0: Montgomery County shirts, you can still wear them. Pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) Every time I'm there, I listen for the news because I say, oh, Montgomery County, we've got a new convention center. This is
1: awesome. Well, I I, kind of compare it to like the multiverse in the Marvel Universe right there, but... I grew up there. I um, originally um, really, I'm someone that was kind of really seeing myself in part of the big adventure of life. Yeah. And uh, growing up there in Maryland was fantastic. Uh, I I accomplished a lot there. Uh, When I was 18, I ended up going to the Marine Corps. And uh, through those experiences, uh, I met my wife, Karen. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it was also where I was sort of engaging with my call Uh, growing up there in in the town I did. uh, I felt my call, I guess, when I was probably around 12, around 12 years old into ministry. Yeah. And knowing that uh, what goes along with that, where you have to go to get your bachelor's degree, then you have to go to seminary. And my family just we didn't have the resources. Mm. You know, my, my father had left before I was born. Uh, I, I grew up uh, with a stepfather who was essentially uh, an absent person in our lives yeah. really wasn 't the best role model and and I had a lot of uh, good men in the church kind of step in, yeah you know they stepped yeah. in and it wasn't wasn 't big stuff uh, there was mr England uh, he was in his seventies. I would help him in the Lions Club uh, deliver oranges that they sold uh, they 'd take me to see. Uh, the Orioles lose at Camden Yards every year <laughs> in return, <laughs> and then you know, I had Mr. Han, uh, who I just mowed his lawn and um, and then I had a uh, good good mentor Dean Peters, uh, who was a Sunday school teacher, but uh, we had affinity for history, uh, yeah real, real history buff and. And just kind of just they sort of stepped into those those roles in my life that helped shape and form me. But but my family, we didn't have enough money for for me to go to college. Uh, It was a working class family. Yeah. And my grades weren't exactly setting the world on fire. And so I didn't know I knew there was going to be no scholarships or any of that stuff coming. And uh, my older brother, Cleve. Uh, his bedroom was decorated like a Marine Corps recruiting station, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I think he went there and took all their stuff. But
2: <laughs> would you like free posters? Sure,
0: I'll take
1: it. I'll take two. Yeah. And and so as I kind of started exploring what that calling was for me, and just figuring out who I was exactly, I knew that well. At least at some point, I still want to go to college, uh, so I joined the Marine Corps. I uh, became an infantryman. And uh, part of uh, going into the service, you get something called the Montgomery GI Bill at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was what I knew was going to take care of my undergraduate work while I kind of, you know, just explored life, figured myself out a little bit. You know, I knew that if even if I had just gone right into college at 18, uh, I probably wouldn't be as disciplined or as mature you know, yeah. as I could have been. Yeah.
0: Talking about your calling, I'm always fascinated when you're talking to people who have given their life to serve the higher power, mm-hmm. whatever that we want to identify that higher power as. Yeah. What was that like for you? What was that moment? What was that calling like? How did you know that God was calling you for something uh, incredible, like basically serving him mm-hmm. and, and 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 taking on
1: the so many different roles that uh, that a priest or a pastor takes on that's a good question and it's uh it's it's pretty nuanced i mean i, I you just get sort of the sense when I was twelve mm-hmm. uh, I'd been going through confirmation and I just kept kind of being drawn into uh the spiritual life i Would sit there. Uh, I made a a, a clerical robe at one point. I sewed one together and made that. Uh, I was in scouts, uh, Troop 1772. Uh, I ended up being the chaplain's aide. And in scouts, you have to be chartered by an organization. Most of the times, it's a religious organization. Mm -hmm. uh, But there's times where it's done by a civic group. uh, And that was the case for me. And at the time, the scoutmaster, Mr. Roger Daly, I think he had sort of. Uh, this is what you kind of get in calling. It's not just something from yourself. It's confirmation from others. Yeah, uh, Mr. Daly sort of saw something, and so I became the chaplain's aide, uh, which is one of the leadership positions in scouting uh, that you need to take on as you advance um, through scouting. And I was a
0: chaplain's aide as well in Scouts.
1: Yeah, yeah I've so never met
0: anyone else that had the white badge with the
1: with the hook on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but w- but because we are a civic group. There was no. Um, I would have never guessed that. <laughs> well, you never know how callings work. So. Exactly, I mean, I'm telling you. But in our troop, there was we weren't part of a church, so I ended up being the chaplain, sort of. Yeah. And so I'd give little sermons that probably went nowhere, and, um, <laughs> and oh, yeah. just just had some time of worship for us. And and so that's where it started. And and then as I went into my professional life, uh, when I went to the Marine Corps, uh, or afterwards because uh, i've been in for 17 years serving i would just end up being talking about my faith and leading studies and and just kind of trying to live out my faith the best i can and 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 i'd had people uh, who again with the confirmations i had at the time we were on the rifle range down at quantico and uh stationed at marine barracks eighth and i uh, you have Different elements. You think of like the silent drill platoon or the Marine Corps Color Guard, but you also have the body bearers, uh, which are the the Marines uh, that will will carry the caskets, yeah. And during the during the funerals, and I just happened to be driving around with uh, their platoon sergeant, and uh, he was just talking about you know staying in the military, which was not what my plan was yeah. at all, yeah. But he's like, you know, you could be a chaplain, and. It was just a series of events throughout my whole life that where it was just sort of these confirmations along the way. Of course, to me, you know, not exactly, you know, 100% in, you know, because it is a sacrifice. You mm-hmm. know, when you think of uh, most most clergy, uh, it doesn't matter which tradition they come from. You know, you're talking about uh, going to uh, a seminary, which isn't around every city there is. Right. Pursuing a, a master's level education, and in most cases, uh, the financial return is uh, going to be probably less uh, than uh, a non-college uh, educated right. career. Yeah, you don't get into it for the money. No, no. And what I found though is that it's just—it's a lot of joy in serving people, you know. And obviously, I—I I feel like you know in our tradition, you know that that there's this God who loves us. That God shows up in, in Jesus Christ and, and wants to partner with us on that journey. Uh, and and for those that don't feel that calling, how can I help them uh, in their humanity yeah. to be the best version of themselves in that process? So it's just, it's not the financial returns yeah. that you get the joy from. It's, it's the personal one-on-one relationship interactions. Yeah. That you know you're you're doing something uh, to help your fellow humanity in their in their walk the calling process to bring you
0: here to Clarksville you know it's not like you just went on indeed you weren't just like one day going <laughs> like yeah no, just I'm going on indeed We well, got any priest openings it's a process where a a, a parish will Start the process searching mm-hmm. for a, a new rector. Um, it almost must have felt custom fit for you when you start to figure out that there's this there's this Episcopal parish mm-hmm. in Clarksville, which is a military town. You have a military background. You're an yeah. Episcopal priest. Yeah. You're you know, it, it must have felt almost like this seems to be like almost custom made. Yeah. For you as a military man,
1: as and 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 a priest. Yeah. And and I'm glad you brought that up, because for a long time, I've I've been trying to bridge those gaps. You know, when you have folks uh, in on the active duty components, whatever service branch it is, you know, there's inside the base, you have chaplains, you have uh, worship services that are, are for them. But you also have these towns uh, that surround them, and there's oftentimes a really big disconnect yeah. and you have people in those towns that want to find ways uh, to support uh, our service members in, in their in their vocations, yeah, and they just don 't know exactly how to do it, mm. and they don 't have those inroads and and also saying in the same note, you have folks that are on these bases that. You know they want connection into a larger community yeah. that doesn't think, look, act just like them as well yeah and and I think that, because of my military background, uh because I'm also a chaplain in the Army national guard uh, that that in some ways i can I can really bridge those gaps yeah. and, and support
2: you're, you're probably seeing the connection that our community has. With the hundred and first airborne division, I mean I think it 's pretty unique mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. the way we partner with them. both sides are very interested in helping
1: each other that 's right that 's right I, and and I had some some friends through um, see the chaplain world is very small yeah. you know there 's not a lot of us on the active guard reserve components, and so we always we end up bumping into each other mm. and so coming down here. Uh, i already had known uh two chaplains uh one was transitioning out of here to his next next station but yeah. but th- this this town uh there's a series of youtube videos uh, that clarksville put out that that speak to th- how how much clarksville loves you know, Fort Campbell and they don't do justice to the fact of how much it's true. You're like, boy,
0: these videos kind of half justice to the reality of how much this community embraces Fort Campbell. But I would think too, you get all that, you know, you talk to whoever you're talking Mm -hmm. to down there and then you got to make the drive. You're making the drive from Maryland to Clarksville, something you never want to do again. You said that earlier with your with your rescue mutt from from Chattanooga, (laughs) Um, I would think pulling down Franklin Street and then all of a sudden there you go and you see this beautiful building made in the eighteen hundreds that has been a part of Clarksville's downtown for 200 years. You had to have been like. Wow. Yeah <laughs> they don't build them like they used to. Can I we know. be on why does every church now have to look like a shopping mall? Back in the day they all looked like <laughs> castles. You had castles with beautiful ornate stuff. Now I can't tell if that's if that's a Ross dress for less or a church. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, let's answer
1: I'm just being honest. But pulling in and rolling in and seeing that, it must have been overwhelming. It was. And if you if you just Google Trinity Parish, you know, the red put in red door Clarksville. Yeah, it's our parish. It's Trinity. Yeah. You know, and people are just drawn to it for the exact reason that you're speaking to. And and it's just this beautiful edifice uh, that for for two centuries, you know, just many generations, you know, caring for this place and and shaping and forming it. And uh, Ethan, when he had got here. Uh, He he said, Dad, this is a cathedral. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's just it's It's just the beauty, uh, the reverential beauty of that sacred space. Uh, You you just feel the presence of God in the in the peace that comes with Mm it Um, when you when you enter through those doors. And probably the only church you've ever been in with a stained glass window that features a tobacco leaf. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a, those, they didn't make many of those. And as someone who appreciates a good cigar, I tell you. Another sign you're of like, confirmation like, right oh, there. Oh, well. <laughs> wow. Another good sign of confirmation.
0: I am in. What are the unique challenges that you see facing not only the parish, mm-hmm. but the Clarksville community when it comes to the uh, faith and, and, and that sort of thing?
1: I think if you uh, if you look at trends uh, in North America um, before the pandemic and, and afterwards, uh, you, you see really uh, this this decline in the idea that you belong to a faith community and show up because a sense of civic duty, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And with the pan- onset of the pandemic, and it didn't matter which part of the country you lived in. Uh, it, it had a lot of people sort of reevaluating, you know, what they believed, uh, what were their priorities. And uh, a lot of parishes uh, of all traditions, you know, it's it's not the same world uh, once the all clear sign was given, you know, to come back to in person mm-hmm. worship. And uh, through that period, you know, we had uh, the issues of the pandemic uh, with. The challenges of facing racial uh, reconciliation, um, and what the the world we're just needs, what they're asked for is they they love Jesus, they just don't like the church, mm. and they're asking us to to step into the faith that we profess. And how do you take a a faith where we believe, uh, you know, that God is incarnate and that this Jesus guy taught us a a, a way of living that is a stark contrast to what we're kind of told in our lives by, by a lot of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, how do we live that out and how do we have a faithful testimony to these things? And, and, and that's, that's the, the, the challenge there is how do you have people have a living faith and have a faith in action? And, you know, for too long, uh, especially within, uh, the context of the United States and in our many expressions of the Christian faith, we have these internal squabbles that quite honestly um, sometimes 're really important. but for the person on the street who 's lost their job or their marriage is is collapsing right are um, uh, just dealing with with real life they 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 don 't care, and one of the inspirations I have for me in my life. Was a guy named Jonathan Wesley. He was a, a 18th century uh, Church of England priest uh, who went on to found uh, the Methodist uh, expression of the Christian faith. Yeah, and he was someone who who had a, a full devotion to his faith, and uh, he wanted everyone to get everyone to the bread of life, which we call Jesus Christ. But he they also realized that people need to get real real bread in their stomach first, and so the church had to be a organization that met people in the streets and impacted their lives in real and tangible ways. And throughout Christian history, we go through these cycles. Uh, Phyllis Tickle wrote a book called The Great Emergence. And essentially, every 500 years, something happens in the life of the church where you basically have a fire sale. You figure out what's not important. You think about, I'll start out with, the birth of Jesus. And then not too long after that, you have the edict of Milan uh, where uh, Constantine uh, ends the persecution of Christians in the Roman empire. It becomes normalized about 500 years later. You have the Eastern and the Western church separating Uh, about 500 years after that, you have the reformation in Europe. And then right now we're at that 500 year mark. And what happened? The pandemic. And Mm -hmm. so when people are thinking about their daily lives, they don't care if the church says Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Episcopal. Uh, funny story about that: When I was in the Marine Corps, we were on a on a bus, and I had a, a fellow Marine. We the bus stopped outside of this church, and he says, "He says Chad, what's an Episcopal church?" <laughs> 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 the, the Episcopal, I like it, but it's a good pronunciation. But the but but people they just they want people to, to have an authentic faith. Yeah. And the challenges here, uh, we have a, a large transitory population. That's you know the military. They're in and out. How do you help them feel as part of our community? Um, we have uh, issues with, with homelessness uh, that wonderful ministries out there are dealing with, uh, whether it's uh, Loaves and Fishes or Manic Cafe or, or just some of these other groups. Uh, The city, uh, Mayor West and them and their and their organizations that they've put together, you know, to help combat it. But, you know, it's helping people feel authentic and feel connected, you know, especially since, you know, Clarksville was was named, you know, top city to live by Money Magazine. So you're drawing people from all over Mm -hmm. and. Now you have to create community, yeah. And so, how do we do that best? So, what what
2: what is your outreach? You have a plan, I'm sure. Of, or how how does your church reach out to the community to invite people to come and see what you're about and, and encouragement? How how do you how do you reach out to the community members?
1: So we have a, a number of ministries uh, that that engage with the community directly. I mentioned a few of them that we partner with: yeah. uh, Loaves and Fishes, uh, Mana Cafe. Um, and, and then we end up, uh, having a real big ministry, uh, of presence. So on every fifth Sunday, for example, uh, we have something called love in action. Uh, our parish will have one service, uh, in the early morning. And then the, the second service we would normally have, which is 10 o'clock, uh, we go out on site to these ministry partners and into the community, yeah. uh, to, to let me know that the church is showing up. Yeah. And and just through things like this, you know, I went, yeah, um, I went down Franklin Street and I did uh, did a, a blessing for a local business, and um, I'm wearing my full cassock and alb. So like like you have this guy wearing this like white flowing robe type thing. <laughs> it's not something you see walking, every day. Yeah, walking you know down Franklin Street, um, just. Just being present, you know, it's a it's a ministry of presence uh, where people are at. You know, they're not going to come to the church, you know, so you need to go beyond uh, the walls. You need to go out into the into the communities. And that's some of the ways that we do it. All right. Final question for you, Uh, Chad. It's been wonderful to meet you and welcome to Clarksville. Thank you.
0: Um, This has been a pleasure. The Episcopal Church is something that follows a liturgy. So you're not allowed as a priest just go like, you know what, I'm going to do a 10 week you know series on the book of Matthew you have to preach on certain uh, bible verses each week which one of those verses when they come up are you like yes i can do this in my sleep and which one are you like ah oh, not this again ah oh, this is so hard to make <laughs> to make this work
1: well <laughs> I told you it was a tough one. Yeah, you, I know you had to I knew you had to take me there. Thank you, brother. I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. And all right. I knew it was the hot seat to begin with, but <laughs> But this is the reality of your job. You've never been asked that before. I think I think one that I sent her to is one that's pretty common in in our in, in, in popular theology. You know, it's John three sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's whoever believes in him shall be saved. And when you're looking ahead and that one pops up you're like this yes. is going to be easy. You know, cuz I'm passionate about helping people connect and yeah. and that's one of the verses that you know, you see it on uh football teams, yeah. you know, you oh, yeah. you see it in the stands, you know. That's you, one of the greatest hits. It's one of the greatest hits, <laughs> yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah. Um the harder ones uh are the ones that um you know, probably hit home with things that I'm struggling with. Yeah. 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 You know you know, be and and the reality is is when you're preaching uh yes you have people gathered in front of you uh but you're really preaching to yourself yeah yeah you know and and you're a work in progress you know you're you're the unfinished stone you know in some ways and and those are the hard ones um because you're I'm dealing with myself yeah you know and and so in all of it, though, it all leads to, to, to the bigger picture, you know, in the context of all of them is leading the saying that, you know, that that we're made in the image of God, that that God loves us uh, and wants the better, the betterment for us all. Um, and and is, is saying, you know, I'm, I'm there with you in the trenches, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's the message I try to bring out there. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Yes, Thank you all. Great it's been a pleasure. time. Subscribe to Clarksville's conversation wherever you
0: get your podcast so you don't miss out on a single conversation.